is at the jazz band ball it's a podcast devoted to early jazz music from the first part of the 20th century i'm kevin mclaughlin Bix Beiderbecke on cornet playing one of his most admired and influential solos. We just heard the improvised solo from a 1927 recording of Singin' the Blues. Well, this was a style of playing, uh, both smooth and hot, you could say, that would reverberate in jazz for many years to come, and some say still does. Well, welcome in. This is our little jazz show called At the Jazz Band Ball. And it's a name, by the way, I took from one of Bix Beiderbecke's most well-known recordings at the Jazz Band Ball from 1927. And today on the show, I thought it would be a good idea to finally listen to and explore the music of this jazz legend from Davenport, Iowa. He's one of my favorite musicians, Leon Bix Beiderbecke, who lived just a very short time, 1903 to 1931. Well, Bix was a legend, there's no doubt about it. Well, this was due partly to a novel that was written a couple of years after Bix's death by Dorothy Baker called Young Man with the Horn, which romanticized and mythologized the basic facts of Bix's life and then was later turned into a movie starring Kirk Douglas. But it was really the playing, the quality of his ideas that caught the ear of other musicians people like Louis Armstrong on down. So we'll talk about some of those connections on today's show. Thank you. 
That was At the Jazz Band Ball, a recording made by Bix Beiderbeck and his gang in New York City in 1927, and from which this show takes its name. Well, Bix came from a pretty prosperous middle-class family. He went to high school in Davenport and then later Lake Forest Academy near Chicago for a year. He was a natural musician, learned the piano on his own. Age 15, he started on the cornet. One of Bix's earliest influences was from the riverboats that came up the Mississippi from Memphis and docked at Davenport. And there he would have heard Louis Armstrong and some of the other uh, black musicians from New Orleans. But he also heard music from the gramophone that he had in his parlor. His brother, who had fought in World War I, brought back with him one record uh, from the war, uh, Tiger Rag, played by the original Dixieland Jazz Band, featuring a trumpet player named Nick La Roca. Here's that recording from 1918. Tiger Rag. <laughs> 
was Tiger Rag, recorded in London, 1919, by the original Dixieland Jazz Band. A pretty significant recording and band in the life of young Bix Spiderbeck, who at the age of 15 taught himself how to play the cornet by listening to this recording and trying to anticipate which buttons to push down, imitating Nick LaRocca's cornet lines. It was a record that his brother... Bix's brother had brought home from the war and used to play on the Victrola until he practically wore it out. Well, next we have a pretty special recording. It's Jazz Me Blues from 1924. And this would have been after Bix had kind of dropped out of school. Uh, he'd gone to Chicago to be in boarding school, but he liked playing music more than he liked going to classes. So he joined the Wolverines. Uh, this was a seven-piece band that played in and out of Chicago and then started to record pretty seriously. We're going to hear Jazz Me Blues from 1924. Well, Binderbeck's solo on Jazz Me Blues really heralded something new in jazz. This was Bix's first recorded solos in his first recording session, and it showed two qualities that were new to jazz. The first was the idea of complementary or correlated soloing with two or more instruments kind of intertwining around each other, finishing each other's sentences, as it were. And the second quality is the sound. Uh, it's a real vocal quality, which Hoagie Carmichael said caused him to jump up in the air the first time he heard it. Here's Jazz Me Blues, 1924, Bix Beiderbeck and the Wolverines. Thank you. 
Jasmine Blues from 1924. That was Bix Spiderbeck and his Wolverines. We heard Bix playing some of his first recorded solos on that uh, early Gannett recording. Well, Beiderbeck and Hoagie Carmichael were pretty good friends. Uh, I think Beiderbeck found a kindred musical spirit in Hoagie Carmichael. He liked his unconventional personality and his sort of languid, uh, laconic sense of humor. And the two became firm friends. Carmichael was an aspiring pianist and songwriter in addition to being a law student at Indiana University and invited Bix and the Wolverines to play on the Bloomington campus in the spring of 1924. On May 6th, the Wolverines recorded a tune that Hoagie Carmichael had written especially for Beiderbeck and his colleagues called Riverboat Shuffle. And it shows Bix's ability to play these extended improvisations. You know, his contemporaries, other than Louis Armstrong, usually limited themselves to 8 or 12 or 16 bars. But in Riverboat Shuffle, Bix's solo extends to 32 bars. And notes just seem to pour out of him with a kind of inevitability, uh, without pauses to consider what to do next. Here's Riverboat Shuffle, 1924. Thank you. 
That was Hoagie Carmichael's Riverboat Shuffle, played by Big Spiderbeck and the Wolverines in 1924. Well, after playing in Chicago for a while with the Wolverines, Bix spent some time in Chicago listening to and playing alongside many of the great black musicians who were there, including Louis Armstrong. Well, here's an excerpt from an interview that Louis Armstrong recorded with the record producer George Avakian in Louis's den at his home in Corona, Queens in the early 1950s. Lewis reflects on Bix's talent and why he thought Bix died so young, overwork, he said. And then at the end, he mentions the saxman Frankie Trumbauer, with whom Bix worked quite a lot after leaving the Wolverines, and the record Singin' the Blues, which we started the show out with. So we'll follow this interview with the full recording of Singin' the Blues, including Bix's famous solo. I told you about Bix when I first met him was in Davenport, Iowa, and uh, we had to go up to Davenport to get the, the steamer GS out of that chute. That's where they keep the boats all winter. And that's where I met Bix, he came on the boat. And then I met him again in Chicago with Paul Whiteman uh, down at the Chicago Theater. And I was playing at the Sunset for Mr. Joe Glazer. And after the show was over, he'd come out and when the, uh, four o'clock come, we close the doors, and Bix and I sit down there, and music, oh, for hours. Blow so beautiful, and played the piano. Why do you think he died so young, Louis? Because he didn't know how to say no, and he didn't know how to say good night. When I say, well, this is it, boys, I'm going, don't leave her, no, this is it. Better you get married than me. But Bix didn't know how to say that. He probably had enough. Tired, beat. So them uh, well wishes. Oh man, much they love him, you know. But they're doing him harm. Still saying, well, go get a little sleep there, maybe three or four hours, and come back or something, uh, clean out or something. They didn't tell him that. He was just a young man. But I learned it in the early years. When you say good night, I'm like the fella that had. 50 cats. He bought him a home specially for them, and he bored holes all around the wall. When they asked him, well, why did you do that? He said, uh, when I say scat, I mean scat, you mean. And that's the way I do. Ain't nobody gonna make me stay one minute longer than I think I should go home. Now, whether they don't dig it, they're not your friends. You take people that don't understand your wrongs, they're not your friend. They're well-wishers, and it's no good. Was there a lot of this sort of thing happening around there? It's still happening, still happening to fools. And Paul Binks was uh, the one that was at the fall for that. I won't call their names. They loved him so much, they killed him instead of helping him. They even say, well, why don't you go get a checkup? Uh, so I have that every year, twice a year, even Dennis and all every, every. You know what I mean? But some people, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. But such a young man to die, 31 years old, wasn't it? 31, yeah. yeah. Too much. Did you, did you do anything around the, the 28, 29, 30 period with Frankie Trumbauer? At, at I didn't do anything with Frankie, but I got all the records with him and Bix. Yeah, because Henry Allen did a bit of well, that. Well, that's the business. I only look out for Lou Armstrong. What everybody else did, that's their business. But uh, 
I got their records, and that was good enough for me, that singing the blues and little things I like. And uh, from Monday on, Pix had a beautiful solo in there. Bix Beiderbeck on cornet and Frankie Trumbauer on the C melody saxophone playing a full recording of Singing the Blues from 1927. You also might have heard uh, Jimmy Dorsey in there as well as Eddie Lang on guitar. And before that, we heard a, a brief excerpt from an interview that Louis Armstrong gave uh, remembering Bix Beiderbeck there in his home in uh, Corona, Queens, in, in the 1950s. Well, we're listening to the great Bix Beiderbeck today on At the Jazz Band Ball. I'm Kevin McLaughlin. It's great to have you along.
We mentioned that Bix started out playing the piano at age five or so, really too short to reach the keys. And so he would stand rather than sit and kind of plunk out melodies that he heard on the Victrola. He only took a few lessons and never really learned to, to read music, uh, but he became quite adept. Hoagie Carmichael tells a story that the first time he heard Bix play the cornet, he said that he was so shaken by it that he had to excuse himself from the room and go lie down on the divan uh, just to recover. So then Bix asked Hoagie if he'd like to hear him play some piano, and Hoagie thought, well, this might be all right. So Bix did, and then Hoagie had to go lie down again. Here's a recording from 1927. It's Bix Beiderbecke's only surviving recording playing one of his own compositions at the piano, kind of Debussy-inspired. It's called In a Mist, 1927, Bix Beiderbecke. was In a Mist, played by its composer Bix Beiderbecke at the piano, 1927. 
Well, after a successful run with the Gene Goldkett Orchestra, Bix joined the Paul Whiteman Orchestra in 1927. Well, Paul Whiteman, despite his moniker as the king of jazz, was more an admirer of authentic jazz than a purveyor. His was a highly professional but ultimately popular music outfit that drew from both jazz and classical music according to the demands of the taste of his audience. Well, some have even suggested that the doldrum experience in the Whiteman band may have led to burnout on Bix's part and his early demise. But there are others who say that Beiderbeck actually felt exhilarated by the Whiteman experience, thinking that it was like a formal music school to him, broadening his horizons and exposing him to classical music as well as jazz. Well, here is Bix featured on one of these Paul Whiteman recordings. It's called From Monday On, recorded in 1928. You'll hear Bix on a nice cornet solo at the beginning, and also Bing Crosby and the Rhythm Boys who get the melody, and then Maddie Melnick on violin doing the arrangement. Here's Bix Spiderbeck. From Monday on with the Paul Whiteman Orchestra, 1928. <laughs>
Paul Whiteman Band in From Monday On, recorded in New York in 1928. Bix Beiderbecke, featured on cornet. Bing Crosby and the Rhythm Boys, of course, on the, the vocals. And Manny Melnick played uh, violin and also arranged that number. Well, we got one more to play for you on this look at Bix Beiderbecke great cornet virtuoso and early jazz influencer. There is some speculation about Bix's death. Um, he suffered a breakdown in a performance with the Paul Whiteman Band in Cleveland on November 30th, 1928. Um, he passed out, and then later on he broke up a bunch of furniture in the hotel and people speculated it was a fit of delirium. Well, the episode left Bix with severe peripheral neuropathy, affecting both of his legs and his feet, and chronic pneumonia, which eventually killed him. And there is speculation that uh, he received some bad alcohol, some, some poisoned alcohol in circulation by um, some bad actors. He eventually died a young man, um, 1931, age 28, in Sunnyside, Queens, New York. But we're going to leave you with uh, a happier time, a happier tune. This is recorded in 1928. This is uh, Somebody Stole My Gal, and it's Bix Beiderbeck and his gang. Bix on cornet, Bill Rank, trombone, Irving Friedman, clarinet, Min Lybrook, bass sax, Roy Bargy on piano, Stan King drums. And I hope you enjoy Somebody Stole My Gal, 1928. By the way, if you want to reach the show, we can be reached at Kevin at atthejazzbandball.org or .com, as you wish. You can also reach us on Substack. It's kevinmclaughlin.substack.com. And our show is at the Jazz Band Ball. Here is Bix Spiderbeck and his gang in Somebody Stole My Gal, 1928. Enjoy. We'll see you next time, everybody.
This is At the Jazz Band Ball. It's a podcast devoted to early jazz, music from the first part of the 20th century. I'm Kevin McLaughlin. 